Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. In verse 31, Paul says this. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. What does it mean to get rid of? It means to get rid of. Well, Pastor Mark, how can I do that? God never asks us to do something that we cannot do in his power. We need to simply surrender our lives to the power of God. The world seems to be getting angrier and angrier. You have the TV shows where people are encouraged to be aggressive toward and even fight one another. Even on the more normal shows, there's a level of malice that's increased over the years. So how as a Christ follower should you behave? Pastor Mark will be addressing this issue in his teaching today. You'll hear what God has to say about anger. You'll learn what the origin of anger inside you is, and you'll find out what God's remedy is. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Exodus chapter 20 as he continues his message, Respect Life, No Anger. You remember Dr. Kevorkian, Dr. Death. Let me say to you that euthanasia and assisted suicide is murder. Now, why would we have to address this? Because in our world, it's going to become more and more and more prevalent. Why? Older people, young babies, special needs children, they're no use, get rid of them, do all of these things. Understand Jeremiah says that before you were born, before you were formed in your mom, I had a plan for you. God uses imperfect people. Hello. And remember the principle? Since God gave life, only God can end life. So euthanasia is absolutely murder. Don't even go there. Number three, capital punishment and war are not murder because they're God's way of protecting life. Notice that the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, did not forbid the taking of all life. Throughout the Bible, even the law in the Old Testament, We see provisions, we already read one today, for capital punishment. You take life, your life will be taken. Second, we see warfare. David, a man after God's own heart, was a great warrior. 
When the children of Israel, when we finish the book of Exodus, they're going to go into the promised land. There's going to be war. They're going to have to battle to take the land that God gave them. So understand, we talked about authority. Well, one of the first places, the primary place that God sets up authority was the home. Dad and mom in authority over the home, over the kids. But it's more than the home. You see, God also established, Romans 13, don't have time to go there, do your homework. Romans 13, 1 through 7. God established the human government to provide justice and see that the law is upheld and that murderers and people that commit crimes are punishment. This protecting of human life not only includes our men and women in the Army and the Navy and the Marines and all of those wonderful places, the Air Force, they're here. They're protecting us. Aren't you glad they are? Aren't you glad somebody stepped in when Hitler was there? After 9-11, we're protected, but it's not only them. We have wonderful law enforcement people in this community, firefighters, policemen and women. They protect our homes. We can lay down at night. Isn't it wonderful if something's happening, you can down 9-11 and somebody will come and help you. I had the privilege of doing a great funeral on Friday for one of the firefighters who died in our community. And we had six or 700 police and firemen here from all over the state and from other states, 24 trucks that went for the funeral. And it was a great opportunity. And I just looked at him and said this, we honor you because you protect us. Well, who put all those people in authority? God did. To protect life. Why? Because life is valuable because it's a gift from God. Well, what did Jesus think about this commandment? Did he have anything to say about it? Yes, he did. Turn with me, if you will, to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5. When we get there, it's important for you to understand that Jesus loved to be around people, and he'd just be around people like you and me, but he would also be around because the Jewish religious leaders would be part of this. They were always in the face of Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 5, we begin at verse 21. Notice what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago... Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. It's very important that we're in the Old Testament with the Ten Commandments, but we turn to the New Testament, and Jesus goes what? The Old Testament's valid. He says to the people, oh, you heard about the Sixth Commandment. It's so good for you to know that these 66 books are all true. They fit together perfectly. So Jesus says to these religious leaders specifically, obviously to all the people, by the way, do you think the religious leaders would know this sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder? Well, for sure they did. They studied their whole life. In fact, they knew the law backwards and forwards. In fact, they made it worse. They added 621 of their own deals to it. So Jesus simply says to them, I know you're proud because you've never murdered. And they're kind of, you can just see them over there. We're religious people. We've never murdered a person. 
Why'd you say this? Well, look at the next verse. Here's a new authority that stepped on the scene. But I tell you, well, who are you to tell us? Well, I'm the son of God. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Jesus says to the people, well, your religious leaders have taught you half-truth. They got some of it right. You're not to murder. But they really missed the important part of this truth. And he says, I say to you, instead of focusing on just the external, I want to show you what the real meaning of this commandment is and how it really got started. So Jesus interprets God's law, and it really has nothing to do with the external. It's all going to be right here in the heart. You see, the heart of man is the center of man. Oh, it's not the physical heart. It's where the decisions of life are made. It's that spiritual compass that God speaks to us. Notice, Jesus, he refocused the law from the physical murder to the heart of man. The attitudes and intent of the heart are not simply just external things. Here's what you want to write. Attitude comes before action. Now that's very different. What Jesus is saying is, how does a person get to murder somebody? Well, it doesn't just start with the gun going off or the knife being plunged. It starts in the heart. Let me read you Matthew 15. Listen carefully. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. You see, sin starts in our hearts and works itself outward. The religious leaders would say, it's wrong to murder a man. Jesus would say, I agree with you. But Jesus would say, it's also wrong to be angry because that can lead to murder. Anger. We'll talk about that in a moment. But there's even another thing that fits into this with our heart. First John 3.15, John the Apostle says this, Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. So, interesting, God calls hatred murder. Jesus says anger leads to murder. Now, what is hating? Hating is not this kind of passing emotion. If some of you were here on Friday and you left the funeral, or some of you were on Minton and you were, you were trying to get down Minton, and all of a sudden you saw the funeral end, you were hating you were on Minton. Because it would take you hours to get to your location. Because we had traffic tied up forever. Some of you, when you go to work in the morning on 95 or Wickham, do you like Wickham? Does it bring pleasant memories to you? No, you hate it. 
This is not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about hating, which is a loath, loathsome kind of thing. It's something, well, let me show you how it exhibits itself. Because of a hurt, you're talking with somebody and a name of an individual comes up. It's already there. You're in a store shopping and you see an individual out of the corner of your eye coming in the store and you do everything you can do to avoid eye contact with that person. You see what's happened? Well, some hurt, some problem has caused that hatred to begin growing. It's not only hatred, but there's anger mixed with it. And Jesus knew that hatred, contention, jealousy, and anger, if left unchecked, if left not confessed, would lead down a path that you and I don't want to go. So both Jesus and John were saying the same thing. It's important to deal immediately with the evil attitudes of our hearts. So what did Jesus really mean? Here it is. Anger is like murder in the heart. Now, you and I understand that anger is simply an emotion caused by something or someone that displeases us. Hate, anger, and murder in our heart begin always when someone hurts us. Let me just stop there for a moment. Being hurt. Remember early on in this teaching when I said no murder? Most of you go like, okay, we're done with that. Let's move on. This whole teaching isn't going to affect me at all. I want you to turn to your right neighbor and say, your neighbor right to you now and say like, uh, this teaching affects me. Go, go ahead and just tell them right now. This teaching affects me. I got you, didn't I? Did I get you? Now, some of you are saying, Pastor Mark, I don't have any hatred. I've never been angry at anything. I'll get you in about three weeks when we talk about lying. <laughs> so if hurt is the start of this, what should I learn from that? Here's a statement you want to write. Life is painful for everyone. Some hurts are unavoidable. You see, if you and I deal with people, if we live with people, you will get hurt. Linda and I had the privilege to uh, minister in the fusion group, which is the Pastor Bo heads that up, 20 to 30 year old. If you haven't ever gone to it, Sunday night, 605, just go back. You'll love it. A couple hundred kids get together, 20 to 30, college, career, whatever. It's a great time. Well, they'd given us 24 questions. So Linda and I sat down and we went through scripture and tried to come up with all the answers. One of the questions was from a young man and he said this, I was dating an individual. It's over now and I've got hurt. How do I get over the hurt? What should I do? He said, I'm actually much more comfortable now not being around people. Well, how do we answer that? Well, we turn to the Bible. All through the New Testament, we have this term, one another. 
You see, you weren't created to live by yourself. This young man, going to go to a little island by himself, a year's worth of food, and just sit there in a little hut. How miserable. So we shared with him that you have to learn to forgive and then move on in life. That's real life. Anybody in this room been hurt by another person? Let me see your hand. Good. He said, well, Pastor Mark, if I move on then, will I get hurt again? Say, yes. How do you know that? Real life. So that can't be avoided. You can't put yourself into a little shell and don't be around people. That'll hurt you worse than the rest. So what do we do? Well, we have to learn to handle the hurts. I was raised in a pastor's home. Very often, pastor's children never serve God because they see all the hurt that goes on. I never thought I'd be a pastor, but my grandpa was, my dad was. Oh, I saw all kind of hurts, hurts you wouldn't even mention. You wouldn't even want to think about the people caused my parents. And of course, my parents weren't perfect. They caused people hurt. But I watched my mom and dad live positively, not be critical, not be negative. That's why I'm in the ministry today. I know I'm going to be hurt. I've been hurt. Our kids have been hurt. I've hurt you. You'll hurt me. But over all of that, God's good. And we can move on from that kind of stuff that happens. So I have to learn to deal with it. Don't be unrealistic. Life has hurts. How can we deal with it? How can we take this anger that happens in us and this hatred and not let it go down this path? Hmm. Proverbs 29, 22 says, An angry man stirs up dissension and hot-tempered one commits many sins. You and I have been there. All of a sudden, this emotion explodes. That's exactly what happened. These three things we just talked about. It can lead to violence, hurtful words, unjust criticism, unforgiveness, and yes, murder. You've watched the news. This is so classic. And the reporter will go to a neighbor of the person that just killed all kinds of people and say, well, what kind of man was this or what kind of woman? I'm shocked. We lived next to him for eight years and they're good people. He's a good dad. I don't know what happened. You hear that over and over again. Now, two things. If we're going to learn how to handle it, number one, anger can be centered on circumstance. So it can be a circumstance that makes me angry. Not a person, a circumstance. What kind of circumstances could make us angry today? Let me give you some examples. The economy, loss of a job. You have a retirement fund and you were planning to retire. Now you can't. You go to the hospital. The doctor says, here's the treatment. It will cure you. And your hospital plan says, we will not pay for the treatment. See, this is the real world we live in. By the way, the young man, 40 years old, that killed the 13 people, you know what the thing was? He didn't know those people. He was angry because he had been fired from work. That led him to kill 13 people he didn't know. You see, it just exploded. Now, what about a Christian? We've already said bad things are going to happen to us. That's just the way it is. 
in this life you will have trouble. You're going to get hurt. I'm going to get hurt. So when these circumstances go out of my control, the economy, loss of a house, retirement, all this financial stuff, diseases, can't, why do bad things happen to good people, all this guy. When that happens, I have to go back to two or three things. One, God's a good God. Number two, God has a plan for my life, and he will work out the junk in my life. Romans 8, 28. Eventually, eventually, all things will work together for good. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm just simply going to trust in the sovereignty of God and not get angry at circumstances, which won't help me anyway. Number two, anger is most often centered on people, myself, my spouse, children, my boss, life in general. Do you know here in Sebastian and Melbourne and Vieira, some of you in this room, on these campuses, you're angry at a person. His name is God. You're angry because your mother died at a young age. Your child has cancer. This situation and that situation, and you blame God. Let me clear that one up. God never causes any of this. Satan is the one that causes this. In the Garden of Eden, the reason it was called the Garden of Eden, because it was perfect. There was no sin, no death, no sickness. Don't be angry at God. Be angry at the one who causes all this stuff. That's Satan. So what is God's angry management program? Does he have some things to help us? Yes, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. I'm going to give you four keys this morning to write. Four keys. Notice this is a commandment from the Apostle Paul. He knew what life was like. Paul had been hurt. He'd hurt others. In verse 31, Paul says this. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. What does it mean to get rid of? It means to get rid of. Well, Pastor Mark, how can I do that? God never asks us to do something that we cannot do in his power. We need to simply surrender our lives to the power of God. Don't play games with God. So the first key is this. Admit the problem of anger or hate. Admit it. Don't play games. Paul says to these people, hey, get rid of this. Why does he say that? Because he knows the people he's talking to have it. And they need to admit it. You and I will never be cured of issues until we admit it. You can't play games with God. He knows my heart. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark talked about some of the ways men and women act as though they're God by killing themselves or someone else. You heard what the role capital punishment is to have in the life of a society. Why God set it up that way. You learned how Jesus raised the standard concerning murder by including the thoughts of the heart. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. In his next message, Pastor Mark will be wrapping up his teaching, Respect Life, No Anger. He'll be talking about disappointments that everyone experiences and how to keep those disappointments from festering and leading to bitterness and anger. You'll learn how to turn over your hurts to God so that he could keep your heart tender towards others. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.